Hello and welcome to another edition of Across the States, the premier state policy podcast courtesy of the American Legislative Exchange Council. Today, we will be listening to an interview with John Cardillo conducted at CPAC between myself and John Cardillo. John Cardillo has worked as a journalist and host for Newsmax and for The Blaze over the last several years and has previously worked with the New York Police Department. During our interview, John Cardillo expressed his opinions and personal thoughts on the war in Ukraine, U.S. energy policy, and more. The opinions expressed by Mr. Cardello are not necessarily representative of the American Legislative Exchange Council or its membership or model policies. And now, here's our interview with John Cardillo from CPAC. All right, welcome back to our CPAC coverage here on the American Legislative Exchange Council. I'm your host, Matt Fisher, as always, and joining us now is a special guest, the great John Cardillo, joining us here at CPAC. John, how are you doing today? Doing well, Matt. Good to be here with you. It's a pretty good makeshift studio. I think it's better than uh, some of the others I've seen, so this is going to work out well. Okay, so, John. Obviously, the big news of the day we want to talk about with you, what's happening right now in Ukraine with Russia, full-on invasion. We're a long way from when they were talking about a peace summit between Putin yeah, and Biden. Yeah. What is going on in America? What's your reading of the situation? You know, I, I think that's, that's the question, Matt. And I think you first have to understand Vladimir Putin, and you have to look at his history. And most people don't know that. They, they know he's the leader of Russia. But, uh, you know, I, I've tweeted out, and I've got a pretty big following, don't underestimate this guy. He's a brilliant guy. He's a ruthless guy. He's a brutal guy. And the left will come at you and say, well, you're a Putin puppet. No. The worst thing you could ever do is underestimate your enemy. Absolutely. So Vladimir Putin's history is he was a relatively obscure KGB colonel in St. Petersburg. That's a really important detail, an important nuance, because typically the line of ascension, the line of succession, comes out of Moscow. Right. It's almost unheard of for a colonel in St. Petersburg to ascend to the top job in Russia. You do that by being highly intelligent and brutally ruthless or ruthlessly brutal. We know human life doesn't matter to this guy. We've seen him poison political dissidents, media dissidents with polonium and, and, and order executions and admit it proudly. PR is not a concern of his not in the a national community. No, no, no. So it begs the question, why is he doing it? Because this is really Putin-driven. It's not Russia-driven. I spoke to some media people on the ground in Russia the Russian people are livid. They want no part of this. So why is Putin doing this? Well, the conventional wisdom would say he's trying to curtail the expansion of NATO. But I personally think it's a little bit deeper. I think there's something in his past that, that, that gives this man, in addition to that, right. and in addition to him wanting uh, to use this as leverage, take any and all sanctions off of Nord Stream without yeah. a sunset clause, I think there's something else. This feels very personal. I believe there's something that happened with Ukraine in his background, his professional background, with either KGB or, or behind the scenes as the leader of Russia. This seems more like a vendetta. His and speech sounded that are, way a lot. His yeah, speech sounded yeah, that way a lot. That's, that's where I'm going. Threatening to nuke the United States if they get in the way, that's not a policy. That's not a policy position. That's a personal vendetta. As a tactical threat, too. A, a real tactical. You know, we better it, take that seriously. Do you think that in the long run this leaves Putin in a stronger or more, more vulnerable position? Because let's say he does manage, God forbid, to, to take over Ukraine. Do you think ultimately that the loss of these financial assets, the backing, the finances, lack of a market for oil, will this ultimately undercut himself going forward? Well, it's going to have massive problems at home. I mean, what most people forget or shouldn't say forget. You know, I, I like to, uh, guys like you and I, we live in somewhat of a bubble, right? We do this for a living. Right. We're wonky guys. We study it. We enjoy it. But the average person going out to feed their family and take their kids to sports practice after school, they just don't have time to get in the weeds. Same uh, people, folks in Russia, too. Same, same exact, thing same all thing. around the world. 
I do a lot of business these days in the Balkans. I travel over there, and, and it's shocking how similar people around the world are. They just worry about their family and making more money and where to go to dinner, right? And so I, I think the Russian people are going to be his biggest problem. Everyone forgets or doesn't have time to really dig in and understand that Russia's GDP is in the tank. Right. They're down in triple digits. That's a nation not only living check to check, but taking payday loans. They are regressing They're economically. They're regressing. And cutting off Nord Stream, choking his banking relationships, it's going to hurt him. He's going to have tremendous unrest at home. So I think this weakens his position. Now, God forbid, there's a visual of Russian troops shooting Ukrainian soccer moms in the street. It's going to be even worse. He's boxed in here. That's why I don't know if he goes further than he goes. I, I think if, if Putin's real goal was a full-scale invasion, paratroopers would have already dropped into Kiev. I, right. I think he's, he's saber-rattling quite a bit, knowing that Biden is very weak, pretty much incapacitated. I think Putin's just hoping to alleviate those energy sanctions because if they are alleviated, that man controls European energy. I can tell you, the last point, Matt, not to be long-winded, but I'm, like I said, I'm over in Balkans quite a bit out of Belgrade. And I, I, I go about once a quarter, and the visible expansion of Gazprom's presence, and I mean these massive, massive, 100-foot-long, 30-foot-tall, three-story neon signs, Gazprom, on top of the properties they own, it's noticeable. There are more of them each time I go. So he's, he's really marking every tree in the region, and I think this is really on brand for Putin. Well, you mentioned Gazprom. One of the most overlooked facts of this whole thing is that Schroeder, the former German chancellor, is an executive yes. at Gazprom. He is Putin's right-hand man in the energy sector. The same thing happened in 2003. Schroeder joined Russia and That's France right. in blocking the UN Security Council resolution on the Iraq war. In retrospect, probably a good idea not to go to Iraq, but I digress. But we didn't know that then. Point being yeah. is, Schroeder and Germany have a lot of economic and energy ties to Russia. Germany is now the number one partner for the United States and Europe, the most powerful player. So at yeah. this point, with the Keystone Pipeline gone, what can there, what trust in the Biden administration right now? None whatsoever. So uh, I'll say this. Germany took a harder line against Putin in the last two days than the United States is. Uh, how can you have faith in Biden when, when Boris Johnson was on the phone with Putin at 4 a.m. issuing a statement while Biden was still asleep? Biden wasn't even a factor in that. And I don't care how you slice it, Matt. We could talk about NATO all day long, but, but let's be realistic. When we talk about NATO, we really talk about the United States. There is no NATO without a strong United States. I, right. I don't think anybody would argue with that. And, and so it, Germany, look at what just happened. They, they appoint an ambassador to Germany with really no diplomatic experience. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, Rick Grinnell is a very good friend. He's a business partner of mine on some things. That was a man who understood our relationships in not only that region, not only in the Balkans, he was special envoy to Serbia and Kosovo, but Europe as a whole, that holistic ecosystem and how right. it translates to the global economy, global peace and prosperity. The Biden's foreign policy team doesn't have any understanding. I had spoken to someone else, longtime uh, State Department person, a name people would know, but I won't betray that. I asked them about Blinken, the current Secretary of State. They said, look, we're just shocked he's in the job because he was never a thing. He was never somebody who was a rising star and never one to watch. Put that in quotes. At State, he was a guy, he was around, but not somebody you ever thought was going to ascend to the United States' chief diplomat abroad, Secretary of State, right? And that's arguably one of the most powerful people, one of the top five most powerful people in the world is the United States Secretary of State. Nobody knew this guy. 
Nobody ever thought he had the talent to be there, and he's proving that. So I have no faith not only in, in Biden's foreign policy as it pertains to Ukraine, Germany, et cetera. I have no faith in them, uh, how they'll handle the Mexican cartels, uh, instability in Brazil and Argentina, Venezuela. It is amateur hour at the State Department. So instead of what Biden can't do right now, what are some things that America should be doing or can do? What are some three quick steps right now that you think would immediately put us on more solid footing? Like, yeah, what can we do? What are some steps we can do? That's really a great question. So I think, number one, you got to sanction Nord Stream, zero tolerance, cut it off, choke it, choke it. Put wrenches to the pipeline and shut it down. Number two, Putin has done something that few other people in a position like his have ever been able to do. And I'm going to liken it to the Italian mafia, the Mexican cartels, uh, the organized criminal networks around the world. The Russian oligarchs are essentially a cartel, right? They control the Russian economy. Most of these guys are mobbed up gangsters. Right. Putin has been able to control them. John Gotti was never able to take over and run all five families. El Chapo. Pablo Guzman was never able to run every cartel. They've been at war for years. Putin is able to not only not only control these guys, but whatever deals he's cut behind closed doors with them are palatable to them. They're acceptable to them. We need to sanction those oligarchs individually. We need to cause them pain. These are guys who, as much as they'll talk about Russia and the old ways of the Soviet Union, love their estates in Miami, big presence in Miami, right, exactly. in Bel Air, and their tent house in New York beautiful women, lavish restaurants, choke them, take their money, freeze their assets, they're going to tell Putin, stop this make very the, Make them angry at the personal make vendetta. Make them angry at the person doing it. Choke them personally, every single one of them. You do that, you do Nord Stream, you don't even need a third option. That'll be enough. They'll go to him and they'll tell him, okay, Vlad, you had your moment in the sun, end it. End it. Every dictator is a source of power and that's, that's where right. it comes from. John, right. it's been great to have you on. Thank you for joining us here for Matt, Alec. Great. You've been listening to Across the State's exclusive interview with John Cardillo at CPAC 2022. The opinions expressed by Mr. Cardillo are not necessarily representative of the American Legislative Exchange Council or its membership or model policies. We hope you enjoyed this interview and look forward to bringing you more exclusive content from the Premier State Policy Podcast. Thank you for listening to Across the State's The Leading State-Focused Policy Podcast, presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.